When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. It's Shep Hyken, and we are back with another episode of Amazing Business Radio. Very excited today because my guest is Chris Lynham, the author of The Choreography of Customer Service. That's right choreography, which implies a dance move. And you'll see why that is very relevant to this interview we're going to have today in just a moment. But first, a couple of very quick announcements. You know what they are if you've listened to the show before. If you've got an amazing story or you have a question, reach out to me on any social media channel because I am just about everywhere. And if it is a question, use the hashtag AskShep, and I'll make sure to answer it either there in that social media channel, in my newsletter, on this podcast, or even in my TV show, which is Be Amazing or Go Home. And that can be found on Amazon Prime, Apple TV, uh, Roku, and you can go to beamazing.tv. That's beamazing.tv. Do you get it? There's a theme here. Amazing Business Radio, Be Amazing or Go Home, Amazing uh, beamazing.tv. What else? I have a book. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, amaze every customer every time. Why not? The word amaze. I love it. All right, everybody. Let's jump into this interview with Chris. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Shep. I'm so excited to be here and to just kind of break bread with somebody that is obsessed with uh, amazing customer service is uh, is a treat. Well, thank you. And I am totally obsessed. I think, drink, breathe it, eat it. And to my wife's uh, disappointment all the time because we're out, <laughs> we're having dinner and she looks at me and she knows, oh, this isn't going to go well. The server isn't very nice. He's not very attentive. <laughs> How is Shep going to respond? All right, but it's not so bad. I've learned, I've calmed down. Maybe it's I've mellowed in my age. But Chris, you have a new book called The Choreography of Customer Service. I love the title and it's been out for how long now? Just a couple of weeks. It came out on uh, February 15th. All right. And, so, uh, yeah, yeah, right about a month or so since. Uh, yeah, that's perfect. And February 15th was a great day. And you can go to Amazon.com. You can get this book. But let me tell you why I love the word choreography, because it ties into your background. Share with us. I know about it, but I want everybody else to know about it, too. Yeah. So I uh, was in 1999. I was obsessed with uh, swing dancing. I decided that I wanted to give this, I kept seeing this ad in the newspaper of all things, uh, for a ballroom dance uh, instructor position that had a free training program. And so I responded to an ad for Arthur Murray Dance Studios and I intended for it to be a summer job. And that was over 20 years ago, I've never left. And, uh, and it's been wonderful. That's how I met my, my wife. Uh, we started out as dance partners and then we became business partners in 2003. And this is Daisy. This is Daisy. And yep. then uh, it must have gone okay because she still married me two years later. <laughs> and then uh, and how many kids? You have four kids. Five kids. Five kids. We have five kids. How did kids that are... one sneak in there when I wasn't looking? 
Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm asking the same question. <laughs> we, Five kids, uh, and there yeah. are what ages? So my oldest just turned 13. So we officially are parents of a teenager. And then our youngest is three. And uh, we've got one boy and four girls. And uh, and so Ooh. it is a, a lot of, uh, a lot a lot of, of excitement. Oh, yes. A lot of yeah. estrogen. Yeah. Now, there's yeah. a little testosterone there, too, not just from from your son, but you are six foot four. And I would Correct. never have known this when I'm looking at you as we interview, even though we do this on video, we do it through YouTube. You don't actually see the video. I get to see Chris. And when he told me it was six foot four, I go, I don't know how you can prove it. Stand up. I mean, I'm not there. <laughs> but you were a basketball player. You had aspirations of professional basketball. Yeah, that was really, you know, when you're super tall in a family, like my dad's 5'11", he'd probably tell you he's six feet tall, but I, my dad's 5'11", my mom's 5'6", or something, and and no one really How knows. How tall was the mailman? Yeah, exactly. The mailman was 6'7". <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, I felt like it was kind of like this pre- ordained you know thing for me is to is to pursue basketball and i and i fell in love with it it really became so much of my identity and then um and then so i played some junior college ball and then uh but i had an um a misdiagnosed injury during uh during one of our first practices and uh and a a, a guy at a clinic told me that my my wrist was sprained but it was actually broken and so i tried to play through it and then i just i couldn't play anymore and so so when you're when this predestined kind of identity that you've sort of followed relentlessly for for a big chunk of your life kind of gets taken away, I it was really a dark place. Like I really didn't know what I was going to do next. And, so it was um, broken so badly that you couldn't come back and play again, even after all the rehab and. Yeah, so so I went through a whole season wondering how come I can't shoot anymore and why is my wrist still in so much pain and um, and it I got into this really bad funk of you know, shooting was like my thing. And then I couldn't shoot. I couldn't follow through with my shot at all. And I felt like, you know, in, on a sports team, you know, you don't want to be that guy that's complaining about an injury to kind of maybe get out of a drill or something. And I didn't want to be that guy. Um, but I got it taped and did all that stuff. But it was just, uh, un unfortunately, it wasn't until after the season, I went to see an orthopedist and he said, we're going to have to do surgery tomorrow. And, uh, and so then not they, just setting a bone, but actual surgery and, yeah. and, uh, season injury, uh, and season ending injury, as well as perhaps a career ending injury. Yeah. Wow. It, I would say, rough. Hey, just start shooting with the other hand. I but, know. Right. Uh, I know. <laughs> it, you know, it should be that easy and, and it's not. All right. Let's jump into the choreography of customer service. Your latest book, your newest book, your only book at this point, but it's a very, yeah. very good book. It has a number of great ideas. And I want to start off by, you have this the concept of the five core concepts to customer service, the backstory, the negative, the secret mission, muscle memory, and return on investment. Let's tease the audience with a little appetizer from each of these uh, <laughs> strategies, if you will. And let's start with the backstory. Yeah. So there's a lot of times when you think about customer service is that you have you have a professional who is well-intentioned, but they're sort of rooted in the present. They're just kind of stuck in the moment. And they're not really asking questions or actively listening to kind of figure out some of the some of the nuggets that are in somebody's backstory. What's the motivation that brought them in there today? And even if it is they're going to buy a suit or something like that, you know, we want to find out like what are some of the the important steps that kind of led them to your business. Um, 
And unfortunately, because so many so many people in the service industry are sort of on autopilot with the same basic programming, even doing something as simple as, you know, hey, what brought you in here today? Can, yeah, can be a huge differentiator from just how can I help you right now? Right. One of the things that I love to do when a client calls us and says, we're interested in hiring you, Shep, as our keynote speaker on customer service. I don't uh, I don't really I mean, I do want to know why they're interested in me. But what I really want to know is why are you interested in customer service? Oftentimes they'll say, you know, we're really good at what we do, but our competition is getting good, too. And we need to just get a little bit better. Well, there is a very uh, scary thing. They're looking over their shoulder or somebody says, God, we just we have to get everybody aligned and we're struggling to get people to do that. Maybe you can help us. And I go, "Okay, now I understand these are the problems they have when somebody comes in, uh, you know, and hey, you own how many Arthur Murray dance studios now? Uh, Seven. You own seven of them. When somebody comes in to learn how to dance, are they learning because their partner wants them to learn and they're just along for the ride? Are they learning because, hey, I'm getting married and I want to make sure I look good on the dance floor? Is it just a high? I mean, there's a number of reasons. Do you ask that question there as well? Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's there's always going to be some type of I wouldn't say always, but there's usually going to be some type of logical and I would this sounds bad, but a cover story, like what's the rational kind of logical story for them to be there? So maybe it's going to be an event that they're getting ready for. Or it's their daughter's wedding or something like that. There's going to be something that's going to be kind of buried that might be beneath the surface that might take multiple questions or interactions for us to get to that now is going to be a much deeper seated need than just kind of like the immediate logical need. So um, so maybe they're they're coming in and they don't want to share it right away, but maybe they're coming in to, to maybe renew the strength of their relationship, or maybe someone's coming in because they just don't feel comfortable socially because of the, of the nature of their work and their work schedule. Um, and so to get to that point, once we understand it, um, then now we can operate and we can be really interested. I think that, you know, kind of in, in, in the big picture, the level of genuine interest that the professional has in their client will really reveal like what caliber of service that they're going to provide versus just the basic expectation. And um, I feel like it's a lot like, um, you know, Mr. Miyagi and the Karate Kid. The moment that he kind of saw what Daniel was really up against, that's when he decided to, to step into the fray and put his put himself on the line. And I think that, man, imagine if more customer service professionals really put themselves into the equation and really cared about the backstory of, of their client, you know, and that's really what the backstory is about. Love that. Love that. All right. Number two is the negative. Yeah. So the negative is a cautionary tale. And, you know, you don't, if it was like your ex and you, you couldn't stand them and you hated their guts, you'd never tell them, I, I think, I think there's a bus coming your way and I, I want you to get out of the way or something like that. You, you wouldn't warn them of things because you really don't care about the outcome. I don't, I don't know if I like that example, but I, I, I get it. I, I can't say I relate to it. Number I, one, I don't have an ex. No, I have an ex-girlfriend yeah. maybe, but, but uh, you know, that, that, that's just, that's, that's just a me. visual. That's me needing a second cup of coffee as I think what that is, chef. <laughs> but, um, but if you think about it, you don't, you don't give cautionary tales to people that you don't care about. Right. And so so your you know, maybe your your coach or your spouse or, you know, if you have a, an employee that you really genuinely care about, you're going to give them this cautionary tale. Your kids, you say, you know, I, I would hate for you to take this option 
even though it might seem like the, the only one available to you. And if we go this way, then, then that's gonna kind of lead us to success, even if it's gonna be a little bit more challenging. So and what so, you're saying is sometimes you're really helping somebody, but they may not like what you hear. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And so, so the right us, answer isn't always the answer that makes people happy, but it is the right answer. And ultimately it will get them to happiness. Exactly. Yeah. Like the, you know, I think the best example, I mean, if you were going to, um, if, if you were coming in for dance lessons and you said, well, I just want to focus on this one dance and get really good at it. Um, you know, let's say it was the swing or something, you know, then I would say, you know, Shep, I would, I would hate, I, I love where you're coming from. I'm, I'm excited that you are so interested in this dance, but I would hate for you to go out and, and, and go to that wedding reception, expecting to just hear swing the whole time. And then a foxtrot comes on and you have to sit down. So let's come up with some alternatives. So that way you, we can at least focus on the dance that you love, but we can equip you with some dances that you may not be expecting right now. Yeah, love it, love it. Hey, let's take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the other three ideas of these five core concepts and perhaps even a little bit more. This is Amazing Business Radio. We are talking with Chris Lynham, and he is the author of the choreography of customer service available at Amazon. Get it today. We'll be right back. Hi, Shep Hyken, your customer service and experience expert, and I'm excited to tell you about my new book, I'll Be Back, How to Get Customers to Come Back Again and Again. Now, this book is packed with idea after idea on how to, just as the title implies, get your customers to come back. In the book, you'll learn that repeat customers aren't always loyal customers. Now, both are great, but there's a big difference. You'll also learn about 10 reasons a customer may stop doing business with you and three reasons you would stop doing business with them. And one of my favorite lessons is a six-step process for creating an I'll Be Back strategy. Of course, there's much, much more. You'll start getting more of your customers to say, I'll be back almost immediately. Just go to www.I'llBeBackBook.com. Again, that's www.I'llBeBackBook.com. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Chris Lynham, and we're talking about the book, and we're talking about these five core concepts of customer service. We've heard about the backstory, the negative. Now, how about, I like this one, the secret mission. Yeah, so uh, this is one of my favorite concepts. It is, it to me, I really feel like it... Um, it just helps you differentiate your idea. And I think, you know, if you think about the negative as sort of the, the cautionary tale, the secret mission, my favorite, one of my favorite stories in the book about the secret mission is um, I was going on this fishing trip and, and uh, this guy at our church was going to take me and, um, and it was deep sea fishing. And so he wakes me up in the middle of the night and he says, you need to take this, this pill. And, and so he hands me, and, and it turns out it was Dramamine. So he hands me a Dramamine and he says, and I'm, and I'm bleary eyed, I'm sleeping on a sleeping bag on his living room floor. And he says, most people will take Dramamine at the dock, but not us. We're gonna take it now, and then we'll take it at the dock and just watch what happens. And so we go on this fishing trip, and, and lo and behold, about 30 minutes in, people start getting sick on this deep sea fishing trip. 
and all of them had taken Dramamine right on the dock. And so he's, every single time someone is kind of losing their lunch, he's looking over at me and he's kind of grinning in this weird sort of way, but we're sort of, we're on the inside scoop. We have this, this kind of agreement. And by the end of it, we were the only ones that didn't get sick on this, this horrible, this was a nightmare scenario for the, for the church fishing trip. But it was, <laughs> it was such a fun example, you know, that I used in the book. And I, I treasure this story because there's a lot of times where if you kind of can really articulate in, in service, what are the two paths that you could go on? You know, like there's a lot of people that will do this, but not us. Here's what we're going to do instead. Um, so like a personal trainer might say, you know, there's a lot of people that that might, you know, they might just do, you know, weightlifting, but not us. What we're going to do is we're going to do 30 minutes of cardio right before so we can get your heart rate up and then watch what the results are going to be. Um, and so when we kind of talk about this fork in the road moment, that's the secret mission. It's like, you know, there's a really, there's an acceptable option that will get you okay results. But this other option, the secret mission is where we're really going to, we're going to outperform even the average results. Right. I think another uh, term for secret mission might be uh, the secret step, the, you know, the extra step that others, you know, it, it's really sometimes a great differentiator. All right, beyond the secret mission, you have something called muscle memory. I bet you tie this back to your, uh, well, you could tie it both to basketball and to dancing because when you practice something long enough, yeah, it becomes normal. For sure. Yeah, I mean, if you think, I mean, you get your the guitars in the background too is like a perfect scenario um, of like, what, what's the first signs of evidence that you're on the right path? And for us in dancing or basketball or music, anything, it's it's muscle memory. Like, can you go through a chord progression and 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 actually get there without looking at your hands? And and to get to that point or as a basketball player to be able to dribble down the court without having to look, that's huge. And for, for our dancers to be able to now maybe make transitions that they couldn't normally do means that we've kind of we've we've mastered a, a part of the process. Um, and so muscle memory in business would be like, what are the, what, what's going to be like the roadmap that you're, that you're actually on the right path. You know, if you imagine if you were driving on a cross country road trip, but there were no street signs or no mile markers, you might drive a little slower because you're not sure if you're going the right direction or not. And so in, when it comes to muscle memory, it's I'm, I'm laying out like, what are the, what are the big road signs that we're on the right, on, on the right path. Right. So that way, you know, you're going to feel like, you know, you can trust me as the professional. Right. So I just, I wrote an article today, right before we started our interview, this will show up probably right about the time the interview goes live. Uh, and I wrote about, somebody sent me this list of, of the things that require zero talent. I've seen this list before. So I actually went and Googled it and I realized he copied it off of something, which is fine. He didn't copy all of it. He just took ideas from it. But what takes zero talent? Showing up on time is a zero talent. I, it's a trait actually. Somebody sure. that's on time. Being nice doesn't really take talent. It takes, it's a trait. It's an attitude. So I started thinking about it. To get to be for these traits to become natural, you have to practice them. Mm -hmm. That's it. Because then practice isn't about getting a deeper skill level. And some of what you're talking about, it is, you know, playing guitar, dancing shooting, you know, a basketball the same way from the three point far away every time and getting it is muscle memory. But when you apply that to something that's more attitudinal, that yeah. trait becomes a habit. 
For and sure. once it's a habit, it's locked in as long as you That's keep it. practicing the habit. <laughs> That's it. No, for sure. I mean, I saw a quote and it was uh, like an NFL article or something. And they said that, you know, in many cases, availability is the best ability, you know, and I Just think being there. Yeah. Ready to go. Up. That's it. Yep. Yep. I, my boss used to tell me like the only two things that you need to be successful as a dance teacher is good health and an open mind because if you've got those two things, like we can work with you. A little bit of skill, a little bit of, you need a little bit. Yeah. Well, but yeah. that's what you develop when you start is you, you have the open mind. Yeah. I like that's that. It. I like that a lot. All right. Number five of the five core concepts to customer services, return on investment. That's it. Now, if you think of, we expect people to use phrases like return on investment or ROI or something. You see it all the time on, on LinkedIn or something. And, and when you work in maybe a financial field or maybe you're working in the C-suite or things like that, you're going to expect people to use terminology like that. But now imagine you're working with somebody who's a, a frontline service employee. And, and if they communicate to you that their approach, their goal is to deliver a wonderful return on investment. You know, Shep, I, I, I am here. Yes, I'm going to help you find a suit. But on top of that, when you get a compliment on how you look, that to me is my goal. That's going to be the return on investment for you and for me. What's the payoff? That's it. Yep. That's, That's it. all it is, is. If we do this, what's, what's the outcome? What's the positive outcome? That is ROI. That is the return on investment. And it's not necessarily dollars. It's a compliment. My biggest ROI is the behavior of the customer. I wrote a book titled, I'll Be Back. Many of the people listening to this know, my eighth book, I'll Be Back, how to get customers to come back again and again. The most important metric, in my opinion, of business isn't like your net promoter score, whether people would recommend you, your CSAT, customer satisfaction score. It's the behavior. Does the customer come back? That's, that's it. it. And that's the ROI. When you deliver great service, the first thing that happens is they come back. What that means is it contributes to your bottom line financial ROI sure. in terms of more business, repeat business, higher transaction dollar-wise per every time they come in, you know, that kind of thing. So anyway, great, great ideas, the five core concepts. Now, I'm going to go outside of the book because okay. you have written an article, which we're going to publish on our blog. I can't wait for this. <laughs> I love it because you, you and, I, and I've noticed this about you in the interview. You have stories, you do analogies, and you say, develop your team like a bank heist in four <laughs> easy steps. Now, we've only got a couple of minutes here, okay. uh, but first of all, a bank heist, and, and, and your comment to me was, yeah, you don't, when you, when you get ready to rob a bank, you don't have four guys that know how to pick locks. You got a getaway guy, you got a, one guy does know how to pick locks or whatever, but go ahead and give me the quick four easy steps. If they're easy, let's see if they're quick. Okay, so um, I think that to me, a bank heist is just, I, it's, it's weird, but why you is like it that? You like movies. In, you like movies about yeah, bank heists. In movies, why do we, <laughs> we all root for crime to take place because for some reason we all have this fascination with, with these bank heist movies. And I think that part of it at the core of it is that we are, we are really geared around like great teams, like operating sort of like a like an orchestra and to be able to have have this kind of like this the symbiosis between like these these different players I think is always going to be um so critical you know and I think you know so you know one of the things gosh, I should pull the article up here 
Um, but, but one of the things I would say is that, you know, when, when it comes to, you know, thinking about a bank heist is, is like, like you alluded to is that you need to now be really honest and transparent about what your limitations are and then what your strengths are. So when you are open and you say, you know, I am not the getaway driver. I've, <laughs> I, I've never passed a vision test or something. <laughs> when you know, when you know that you've got somebody that, that is now open and honest about those things, then now it allows us to see who can really, who, who really is the, the stronger player in that particular capacity. Yeah, um, I get it. You play to the strengths and you, you know, when, when it, let's go back to your basketball roots, Michael Jordan, had a great team in the Chicago Bulls. Would Michael Jordan have been Michael Jordan without Scottie Pippen? Yeah. Michael Jordan would have been a great player, but but Scottie Pipp- Pippen helped them be an even better player. Oh, for sure. And yeah. and if you think about players, you know, even in, I mean, in basketball, now they have like positionless basketball, which is like this really cool concept, but, but it's really hard to pull off. Um, and they say that in basketball, the easiest person to guard is a ball hog. And that would be like now the, you know, you know, in, in the bank heist scenario, imagine if you have George Clooney or somebody's playing this guy and he's the mastermind, but he's trying to do all the jobs. You're thinking Ocean's Eleven right now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, He likes bank heist movies. I know. Casino heist movies. You know what it is, too? I love when they would do the scale models of everything, too. I just thought that was always really cool. Um, so uh, <laughs> um, the other thing about the bank heist is that if you think about, you know, what are you doing in terms of simulating a real active environment? Um, and so a lot of times what happens is that we sort of gauge people's personality traits in a service industry, but we don't necessarily simulate them and put them under the pressure of like a real life environment. So we might look at things in a post-mortem sense, but we're not looking at things in a pre-mortem sense. And so when we think about like, what is that environment gonna look like? How can we simulate that best? If you think about it in the movies, they're going through and they're timing the, the guy that's gonna pick the lock on the safe. They're timing how many times, if you think about Ocean's Eleven, they're seeing if they can get that gymnast guy to like crawl through a, a little shaft and, and to kind of get through the air duct. And so I think simulations, so it's not just feedback. I read this in a book and I forgot the, the name of the book, but it's like about it's when, practice. Yeah, it's, it's feed pra- forward hey, instead of feedback. Yeah. And you know what? We look at your dance business. If you want to get good, you can't just say, I'm going to take a lesson now. I'm going to go out and be the hit of the wedding. Okay. For sure. You know, or the party. No, you have to practice and you got to come back and practice some more. So it's and it's what you do in customer service. Uh, when we work with our clients and their teams. We put them through practice. We ask them over and over again to do some of the same things a different way, but it's the Mm -hmm. same exercise, tweaked a little bit different to get them used to different scenarios. And over time, they become very aware. They become very comfortable uh, to go back to, you know, the muscle memory, if you will, one of your five core concepts. So we have just like one minute left. And I always ask the one thing question. What's the last thing, the last nugget of wisdom you want to share with us today? I really believe that um, the the biggest limitation when it comes to improving uh, the the culture of service on a team doesn't have to do with necessarily the the people on the team, but I think it has to do with like the overall mentality to the, the need. I think that what happens is that we treat things like communication skills as nature instead of nurture. And I believe that it's something that can be nurtured, just like dancing is not a nature. It's a it's a nurture. It's a skill. Guitar, no different. Basketball. Um, and so I believe that when we kind of see the need for it, you know, um, you know, 
businesses lost $63 billion per year because of bad customer service. It's actually Before, more than that now. Yeah, Crazy. yeah. And if you tack on like hiring and retraining and all that stuff, all of the all of the, the operational cost. costs. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Oh my gosh. And you know, when you think about companies that are willing to now pay maybe maybe less skilled employees more just to stick around so they don't have to, uh, you know, take on those costs again. I think we've kind of got stuck into like a really bad cycle instead of really just investing the time into nurturing the skills of communication and not just expecting it just to be the next nice person is going to solve all your problems. Right. Nice is important. Nice sure. is foundational, but there's skills around nice that are really, really important to add on. And those are whether they're communication skills, even empathy, you might say is an attitude, but you have to sometimes teach people what empathy is because that's something they might not necessarily understand. Anyway, yep. great ideas, great thoughts. The book, again, it's called The Choreography of Customer Service. The author and our guest today is Chris Lynham. Thank you for being on Amazing Business Radio. Thanks so much, Shep. I had such a great time. It was so great chatting with you. Yeah, it was. I hope to have you back again. So write another book. Hurry up. <laughs> Done. All right, everybody, that wraps it up. Another episode of Amazing Business Radio. We will be back next week with another interview. So please come back. And until that time, this is Shep Hyken reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>